Phew. Exited host mode, finally. Oh no, I got that volume off. No, thank you. Hello everyone, back outdoors. Beautiful day today. Apparently it snowed here yesterday. Good lord. Dismal tide. There was a polar vortex. A polar vortex, they say. And it ain't it a crazy world we live in. They ought to sell tickets. Anyway, it's much nicer today. Apparently it's going to rain tomorrow. But then hopefully nicer later in the week. Which is good. I'm hoping we have at least one more good month or so to eventually just give up on our uh, plea to stay indoors and say fuck it like everyone else is. Because I've really thought about it and uh, I don't see any other way this goes. Somebody wanted, I mean, something could change. You know, we could have a huge uh, rupture in the, in the circumstances. But man, the way it's looking now, it really looks like they're just going to say fuck it. And they're not even going to say it is the thing. They're just going to let it happen. They're going to go, oh, the doors are open. Oh, you guys. Oh, geez. These, these states, they're open now. Oh, well, you know, if you want to, I mean, we're not going to be doing anything. Just so you guys know, there's no point to your quarantine. And that's the real thing that's going to kill it, is eventually people are going to realize that this whole stay indoors for everyone else, you know, uh, London during the Blitz solidarity thing we're doing, clapping and all that, it was all predicated on buying time to have a way to go back to normal that incorporated the risk of the disease in a way to keep it from spreading too far. And that would have required doing something like what South Korea is doing or whatever. Uh, and the thing is that we have done nothing. They have done nothing but cover each other's asses because it's all a bunch of absolute crook, crooked, incompetent oafs. It's the biggest collection of oafs we've ever had in a government. True clown hours. All of them are just trying to like, at all those cabinet meetings for Corona, you know what they're actually doing? They're all selling each other multi-level marketing shit. Like one of them is buying those, uh, those Mormon uh, yoga pants and the other one is selling like uh, timeshares or something. It's absolute criminality. Everyone's got their hand out. Nobody knows anything. And most of them are genuinely loyal to Trump, at least in the sense that they don't want to piss him off because they know that he could turn on them at any moment. Which means that even though they know he's a moron, when he says things like don't test people early on, they do it because they don't want him to get mad. And now we're in a situation where there's we just dicked around the whole time. All we did was dick around and then slowly and surely because everyone is miserable and there was nothing to do and we don't have any other way of expressing misery in this culture oh it became a culture war issue and now staying in is for libs and cucks or slash responsible reality-based community members uh and going outside is for you know patriots slash chuds and that's that's the battle lines now so like today they're opening up some restaurant in colorado and it's all full and people are high and people are mad at those people but, I mean, yes, they're being very irresponsible, they're very, being very selfish, but you're also, they're also operating in a context where their sacrifice is just not supposed to mean anything, where there is no part of a plan that it plays. It's just delaying the inevitable. 
So people are just eventually, because they got to go to work or because they just can't stay inside, they're going to make the choice, the selfish individual choice, to come out. And then more are and more are. And what we're only thing we're going to end up doing to deal with it is normalize dying of corona as a thing that happens now. As a thing that's just one of those things. Just one of those things that happens to you. Like a zombie apocalypse, but like we get the zombies down to a level where, you know, there's like a 5% chance when you go out that a zombie is going to bite you. Eh. Um, so I think that's going to be it. And the only real question is going to be whether the system can actually absorb all the sick people and whether people, enough of them, make the plunge to get the economy going again. Uh, and those are questions I'm not quite sure of. A lot of it has to do uh, with how the virus responds to weather, how it res how it mutates, uh, you know, how it's when it starts hitting uh, populations that are, you know, haven't really experienced it yet. I don't really have any kind of uh, plan for it. I don't know. I have no idea. But I would say that it is likely that we do some sort of uh, we, we scale up medical facilities in a very fast way, not as fast as China, of course, but in a fast enough way to facilitate excess capacity from, you know, 9-11 every day worth of people dying from corona and, of course, thousands and thousands more getting sick enough to don't go, have to go to the hospital. And so we have more facilities to an extent, so it's not completely, uh, you know, uh, wrenches in the gears and, and it can't function anymore, uh, but then a, a, a lot of triage, and we just actually have fucking death panels. They just full-on Republicans, of course, the guys who called uh, Obamacare death panels are now going to actually administer legit death panels. Uh, Eric Trump is going to be a member of a three-judge committee with two of his sorority, his uh, fraternity brothers who buried a uh, sex worker with in college. They're going to decide whether your grandmother gets a ventilator or not. Or whether you get one, actually, depending on how much you contribute to society. And there's going to be all these wonderful metrics we can get from all these tech companies that have been basically hoovering up every piece of data in our lives until now to use to uh, determine who's naughty and who's nice. And then that becomes another way to, uh, uh, to condition people. Because now, another reason to stay on the beam is to uh, make sure you get access to healthcare because you could get sick at any minute now. And of course... Most of our attention and anger is going to go towards our fellow citizens. Like when this thing, when the dam blows and we're in a new normal where just like thousands of deads, death, dead people is assumed, you know, uh, we're not just going to blow it off. We're not just going to completely normalize it. We're going to have a lot of excess alienation, just horror that is going to have to be expressed. And it's going to be expressed mostly at, at who we blame. And that's going to be like the Chinese, uh, a lot of the, the Democratic governors are going to get a lot of uh, anger from uh, conservatives. And the libs are going to be really, really mad at Trump, of course. And the stupid idiot people who disobeyed orders to stay in and wouldn't wear masks and stuff. And don't watch Colbert so they don't know what they're supposed to think about things. And then that's where the energy is going to go. And that's why I think Biden winning could honestly... Man... If this recovery, if this, if this depression is as bad as it seems, and Biden is in there, like I said, James Buchanan, and I think that becomes more and more 
true every day, it feels like, because that's going to be a lot of social angst. That's going to be a lot of anger. That's going to be a lot of confusion. That's going to be, honestly, literally just a coarsening of the culture because we're going to be that much closer to death around us. It's going to be less taboo. We're going to care less. We got a lot of guns. And uh, the idea of this, you know, sonambulant mummy Democrat uh, presiding over, you know, a new normal of, uh, of, of just coarsened economically depressed society it's not good it's not fertile ground for just historically that hasn't been fertile ground for good stuff to appear whereas if trump's president and this is going on there's a it's basically going to be a, a question of whether he's able to export enough blame to like china which he would require to basically go to war with china to really fulfill the amount of blame they'd have to take for this to uh, avoid him uh, or he would actually maybe get a point where he's alienated a significant chunk of people. Not necessarily his base, who love him, but people who don't think politically and now have politics in their face in the form of, you know, becoming a, a insurfined essential worker or kept in their homes or have loved ones die or be uh, refused access to health care. There's going to be enough of a, of a, of a, you know, a trail of bloody fi uh, fingerprints that... Him in charge, while this whole thing is, the whole horror of this thing is sinking in, it could really create like a, a positive polarization. Uh, and, and, uh, but yeah, I, but Biden in there is really terrifying. Biden's terrifying. Because I don't know how you get anything other than like some half assed attempt at like a secession movement, at least, depending once again about how bad the, uh, how bad the economy gets. I did see, uh, woo boy, I saw Trump, I saw uh, Alec Baldwin drink the bleach, uh, and man, I, I said this on Twitter, but, um, uh, you know, I when I watch Saturday Night Live, people say, how can you watch it? It's because it's fine. It's fun. Uh, you know, I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be on my phone anyway, why not be on my phone and find out what my friends at SNL are up to? Sometimes I'm surprised by a delightful sketch that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And then think, when things are bad, they're usually bad in an interesting or Baroque way. And you're like, wow, they really are fucking this up in a very specific fashion. And you can kind of tease it out. It's fun. You can engage with it. Never sad. Never made me sad. Because when I, it's a 40-year-old show, but also it was never that good to begin with. It's, a lot of it is people suffusing nostalgia for their childhood version of the show. That's why they, they always are so harsh on the, on the, on the current program. Uh, so it's like, whatever. But man... These Zoom ones, the Zoom ones are just soul-destroying. Just seeing what like we're willing to put up with already in terms of just cramming all of our anxiety into the most anodyne, brain-dead packaging to just diffuse all sense of urgency or even understanding of our own life conditions in just like this, this tesseract of banality. But to do that with everyone in their homes, just drawing attention to how absurd this is, it's like a fucking Ionesco play. And it's very depressing. It's actually sad. As I said, it, that like the earnest, like kind of like like panic behind the eyes of the performers who are recording these in their homes and doing Zoom calls, you can see this glint. Uh, and it really does feel like it's videos that somebody a terminally ill person would get make for their kids so that they'll remember them by it's like i hey kids we're, i'm gonna do it for some funny sketches so you can remember me after i'm gone you know that's 
that's the kind of vibe, as the kids say, that these things have. And it's brutally depressing. Kyle Mooney's stuff is still decent because he's a video guy originally. But, uh, I mean, I'm sure Sandberg also would have done well uh, in this. Uh, Pete Davidson uh, reminding everyone that he is one of the most cosmically talentless creeps <laughs> to ever appear on the show or in popular culture. <laughs> I mean, I am just baffled. That, that uh, I mean, this is Marsh also brought on by that mind-blowing trailer for his uh, movie that looks like, no thank you, I would rather watch uh, the Collateral Murder video for 90 minutes than that thing. Holy shit. Wow. And he's and now what he's doing on the on the Zoom SNLs is he's rapping. He's doing like self-written raps about having to stay home with his mom, and it's like, wow. I'm I mean, it's like that's the one where you do feel like things have gotten worse because, you know, there's like, Davidson is the role that has in previous generations of the show been filled by Jimmy Fallon, uh, uh, Adam Sandler, sort of like the unique figure who has, like, a talent uh, that's, like, orthogonal sort of to the SNL, but also intersecting, uh, you know, and usually has a, has a guitar or some sort of musical part of their deal. Uh, and so he's, like, in that tradition. He's a more famous version because he's had famous girlfriends, uh, and he has, like, uh, you know, mental health freakouts in public. But uh, he's just, like, the, net, the latest one of those guys. And of those guys... He is the least talented. I mean, at least Fallon, who is, of course, not nearly as talented as uh, Adam Sandler was, at least Fallon has, like, a geniality, uh, even if it's grading. Davidson just, I wouldn't want to sit next to him on a bus, let alone watch him for 90 minutes. Ugh. Ugh, getting creeped up thinking about him. And, yeah, like, Fallon also could play guitar. Um, you know, his stuff wasn't as good as Sandler's because Sandler's was the originator. Oh, man, can you imagine when Trey and Matt get a hold of coronavirus? Holy crap. I mean, I can't wait to see. It's going to be funny. Uh, let's see. What's going to happen? Stan's dad is going to get really obsessed with, uh, like, uh, uh, cam camming or something. Something about, like, being inside all the time. Uh, and then uh, Cartman, of course, is going to be a militant uh, open, reopen uh, guy. Uh, and then that'll be it. It'll be funny. I already wrote. I already wrote it. It's done. Uh, Kenny will drink bleach and die. Done. Yeah, there you go. Stan's dad has OnlyFans, something like that. Zoom messaging. Yeah, you you get it already. Apparently, that's all that's in production in Hollywood right now is uh, animated shows. So if anybody's got a pitch for a sitcom or something, they're turning it into an animated version of itself. Which means that the the whole thing of animated shows becoming just more you know like literal minded. Uh, therapy sessions for the writers it's only going to get more explicit so get ready for that, that'll be fun that'll be nice I do like Rick and Morty though, I'm saying it's a very clever show you have to be very intelligent to understand the jokes uh, and I actually like Solar Opposites as well, it's like diet Rick and Morty it's like Rick and Morty with half the calories Yeah, that's the other thing, is that, like, Pete Davidson, because he is, like, this, you know, uh, you know, 
the 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 he's like he's basically SNL's version of a SoundCloud rapper, and his whole vibe is that like zanned out nihilistic you know on the edge of uh, mental hysteria at any moment thing. I mean he got a fucking tattoo of Hillary Clinton for God's sakes. It makes it hard. It makes me feel bad for him, but at the same time, just one of the most least appealing uh, people they've ever had on the show. I'm trying to think of who else is on there. Really young Robert Downey Jr. as a kid was really horrible. Obamagate. Guys, it's Obamagate. Man, you guys remember when they were talking about how Obama fucked up the uh, swine flu and how that was way bigger deal than this and how everyone needs to talk more about the swine flu and how that was the real bungle? I don't hear that anymore. They don't talk about that anymore. Which really makes you wonder how far those goalposts are going to move. Ooh, is there a possibility of someone like Caesar or Napoleon rising from the military, especially in case they take over? Ooh, boy, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh, I have, because I've thought a lot about this. Because I've thought a lot of what the real countervailing forces at play here are. Because obviously the working class is largely not a player in any of the scenes. The global... The global peasantry or globalitarian has no real say on anything. In the United States specifically, you've got a political class that is largely incompetent uh, placeholders who are there in the names of corporate interests, some of which are domestic, some international, some in all of them in some degree of competition and conflict with one another, but with one general you know, uh, interest. They share a lot of uh, the same uh, interests as the ruling class in uh, Western Europe, uh, and also China and Japan. Uh, and they are looking to extract as much money from this thing as possible because they are riding the engine of capitalism as it just drills out the last bits of ore from the center of the earth and turns it into beanie babies. So they are riding this thing to the end. That's it. Their main interest is whatever they can take from this. And if the whole thing breaks apart, that's fine because up to, to not break apart would require undermining the the profit engine which is more important than anything and that's when you hit the self-destruct button that's when you get what marx called in the uh, manifesto the common ruin of the contending classes which is the end of a unsuccessful uh, class war but the thing is is that the united states also has a state structure you know politicians in it don't really have very much power uh or you know popular legitimacy but there are uh Function, deep state functions that have significant like logistical and infrastructural power. One of the biggest one is the U.S. military. I mean, the US, there, I mean, there is a direct connection between you know the impoverishment of the American welfare state relative to Europe and our military budget. I mean, those things are connected. The reason that the Europeans built you know public housing and, and uh, national healthcare services after World War II is that we were the ones who built all the bombs and all the nukes. And, and 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 protected the free world. They were kind of got they got off of that because they had to make sure that their working class wasn't swayed by communism, who, which was right there across the Iron Curtain. We didn't have that, and so instead we were the arsenal. We had we had military Keynesianism, all all stimulus basically through military spending, and has created the world's largest like military infrastructure, the largest military power the world has ever known. And that even if you had like a real breakdown in, in systems of control and, uh, and uh, uh, infrastructure and logistics networks, they're pretty durable 
in, and uh, networks within the U.S. military that are going to be able to withstand that. And they have high esprit de corps, unit cohesion, all that stuff. They have, they have task and purpose, all that. Uh, but the thing is, they don't have anything like a, a, like a united commander. Like, there's no, there is nobody. Like, because, as I've talked about on this show before, that has been, they all are a bunch of idiots. Like, we did, we've created a perfect mediocrity uh, out of the fake meritocracy we have. Because meritocracy, uh, and Chris Hayes of all people has talked about this well, the whole uh, Twilight of the Elites thing, is that over time meritocracy just reproduces uh, uh, inherited wealth because the meritocrats who succeed on their own merits then create conditions so that their kids can do as well or better than, or better than them, which means that they, because they get all the things, you know, all the, all the edges smooth for them, they, they, they do, and but then they don't have the competence that their parents did because they didn't get there themselves, and then they just do it to the next generation who has even less connection to actual competence, and we're like four or five generations deep into that. I mean, the Trump family is a great example. You got the hardscabble Gampa comes from Germany and becomes like a, uh, what, he uh, owned a bordello in the Yukon, and then got bought, bought real estate in New York, like a real, like an Ayn Rand hero. Then the the son takes advantage of you know a bunch of government programs to become a uh, essentially a uh, a middleman between you know the New Deal uh, uh, state and uh, the city of New York, uh, just a functionary essentially, and then his son, even less talented, even less involved with directly with making the wealth, and that's the exact same thing has happened in the military because these guys rise. Our our military uh, 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 goals are becoming have become over the years so uh, confused, uh, listless, uh, uh, contradictory, uh, and it's suffused with failure because every mission that they've given has been a failure. I mean, what is our record in the 21st century? It's dog shit. And so West Point and the officer corps reproduces just institutional mediocrity. So those guys at the top, there is I highly doubt that there is a, a Napoleon amongst them. Uh, I highly doubt that, I mean, maybe at the mid-level you'll have some, like, energetic officers, which was the case, you know, with the free officers movements in the Middle East and in Africa. The question is whether they would be able to coordinate and, you know, essentially behead senior, uh, senior authority. Uh, but one way or another, when they start just really stripping down the social order of everything to take it private to create like a, a network of sort of snow crash libertarian oasis uh, there will be an institutional uh, uh, interest by the US military separate from capitalism which it serves broadly to maintain that system and that will be the point where maybe all of these uh, you know these these uh, social or political structural things you know like constitution and that shit that's maybe when they finally get broken. But I don't know. Uh, but then, of course, there's always the more likely scenario, it seems to me, given America's size uh, is more of a spiral outward rather than a concentration inward. But once again, the big inputs that have to be put in here that haven't been put in yet are how bad the virus is, how able are we able to maintain, you know, a resilient uh, uh, um, 
supply chains. How much are we able to get money into people's hands to restart the economic engine? Those are all questions that have yet to be answered. It is, as Sean Moorhead on Twitter called it, the time in history known generally as the cool zone. When you have a crisis of democratic legitimacy, economic viability, and public health intersecting in a uh, time of rapidly uh, and exponentially increasingly changing climate, that's the cool zone. Only cool things happen in times like that, generally, from the point of view of reading about them, of course. (laughs) You know, not necessarily living through, but we'll see. But the thing is, like, Napoleon, you know, was able to rise through the military because the revolution happened. You know, there was an actual class-based rebellion against the ancient regime. Uh, he didn't act first. He had to be, like, his, his path to power had to be legitimized by changes in, uh, you know, values. One of which replacing a blood uh, right with uh, some kind of early version of meritocracy, which is the whole idea of, of, of Bonapartism. Bonapartism reproduces the uh, um, you know the hierarchical nature of uh, monarchical government, but instead of allowing it to be you know a fa- uh, inherited by the, the the oldest and you know most soft and unaccomplished people on earth, it is a uh, a new and vigorous um, a new and vigorous hierarchy. Uh, where the people have claimed those roles by their intelligence and ability, but of course. You can see even here the way that that never is what works because Napoleon, the fucking avatar of liberal meritocracy, the guy who basically invented the concept, you know, like the Napoleonic codes and his social, civic and social reforms were all about abolishing the, the society of orders and replacing it with a new hierarchy because it was not non-hierarchical, but a new hierarchy based on talent. This is, uh, this is the ideological underpinning of, of, of liberal uh, democratic capitalism. Uh, that's what he was. He was, but what did he do in terms of uh, governance? Not only did he make himself emperor, when he conquered other countries, he made his uh, relatives and high marshals their new monarchs, as a, like a tribute system, seeding a new royalty across Europe that would that would then be meritocratic. But the goal there, but I believe Napoleon's thought is there. Well, yes. No, we de- we f- we deserve it, which means if we ever lose it, it'll be our fault. And I think he just didn't realize how fast and how dramatically that uh, impact can be felt when you're living in uh, an interconnected time w- that moves at such speed as this one, that requires such informational awareness and such speed of action, uh, and such such basically the opposite of everything we've allowed to accumulate in our uh, gunked up social and uh, political and economic order. I am wondering what happens if RBG dies by November. I kind of think she might already be dead. I would not be surprised if the, uh, the, uh, the, the old DNC has planned a little weekend at uh, Bader's here. Uh, because, you know, it's high-stakes shit. Uh, and they know that... I mean, my God, if she dies before November, where is their stick to get anyone to vote for Biden? You know, because presumably that would be... I mean, if he nominated somebody, it would be 
it would be approved almost immediately, right? Like, unless it was right before the election, she'd be replaced almost instantly. Like, they'd steamroll her. Like, uh, McConnell would pull every lever he has to instantly do that. And then wouldn't that kind of undercut the argument for why you need to vote for Biden? Because, like, even now, Supreme Court, gone. Goof, Gator, Bader, Ginsburg. She is a damn goof. I can't think of another a better example of liberal hubris than her conviction that she could hang around even though she was in her 80s and beset by maladies during Obama's term because Democrats were never going to lose the presidency again. What difference did it make? Wow. Wow, lady. Well, well done. But as I've said, uh, things like the Supreme Court if we're going to really change anything, if we're really going to like not let ourselves get turned into Bezos, uh, uh, you know, bug creatures by the aftermath of this thing, like just get plugged into a, an actual matrix of human exploitation where we are given the bare substance of Soylent and, uh, and a bare minimum of uh, entertainment vis-a-vis -vis Quibi shown directly on the inside of our eyelids. Uh, then it's not going to because somebody got became president and nominated a liberal justice to the Supreme Court, or you want a Supreme Court uh, case. The Supreme Court is going to be quite secondary to any uh, any situation like that. But it's not necessarily means it's going to be illegitimate process somehow. Uh, it'll just be a conditions will not allow, like for this, the maintenance of the system itself will not allow its constituent parts to maintain their current order. That's a good point about the fundraising. I think the, uh, the, the RBG shit is really for the, uh, for the rubes who cut the checks. Man, can you imagine giving money to the Democratic Party? That, oof, the most cucked thing imaginable. Uh, do you think we'll ever pass Medicare for All? See, that's another one like the court thing where I think we might end up some version of a, an actual humane healthcare system. I don't think it's going to be because something passes the House and Senate, is ratified by the President, and then passes muster with a, the Supreme Court. Uh, I just don't see that happening. But I also don't see that as, an, as a circumstance that will, that's inviolable and will never end. I mean, one thing that might ease it along is the fact that the fucking healthcare industry, it's not, this is, COVID thing is fucking with it. I mean, this is, this is not, they're not just making money off of this thing. It's actually, it's, and especially if we've just decided we're going to let people die. Uh, man. Uh, that's going to be a huge toll that I don't know if they can deal with at all. Oh, man. And Nancy Pelosi. So I've talked about how they fucked this bat so badly that we're all now in a situation where people have just shrugged their shoulders internally and accepted that they're just going to be okay with a lot of people dying and then end up just, you know, venting all that feeling on each other. 
uh, you know, in 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 violences and uh, and and hostilities, small and big. Uh, the reason that's happening is because they fucking just dicked around for eight weeks instead of using the time people stayed home to change anything, like create any kind of system for contact and trace or maybe create alternative systems for providing food or whatever, suspending the economy, that kind of stuff, suspending rent, doing things like that. And obviously, yeah, Republicans, very bad at everything, but like, and I'm not even saying Democrats, because there were Democrats who actually had things that would have made a difference and could have been points of argument and points of differentiation with the Republicans. And Nancy Pelosi intentionally refused to allow any of them to appear in any kind of bill that could be voted on up or down. She essentially refused to put anything out and allowed uh, McConnell in the Senate to write the bills and pass them first, and then she would send the already ratified version to the House. I think her argument probably would be, well, since they're not going to pass anything they don't want to and they have control, then I, it's wasting time to do anything other than pass what they've already passed because we're not going to get it through any other way. But, of course, that ignores the fact that there were real differences out there that could have been a, in some way uh, exemplified and maybe pressure could have been brought to bear. And there was no pressure for anyone to get their act together because Nancy Pelosi wasn't applying it on purpose because she was too blinkered in her understanding of you know what the what the moment called for uh, to actually grasp the what's what was going on and like the reason that there's no that if Trump does somehow lose this election or like loses the support of his of his diehards if 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 the massive profundity of this failure that he and it is I mean it's jaw dropping the number of people who he's directly responsible for killing is going to be astronomical by the end of this. He's going to be in George W. Bush territory, maybe. Um, and maybe we will banish him. But do you think Nancy Pelosi, if you know she eats enough cord blood and adrenochrome, if she keeps running for that seat, do you think they'll ever turf her out in her wealthy uh, enclave in San Francisco full with very, very high information voters. You can't say that they don't know what's going on. You can't say they're brainwashed by Fox News. And the and what they're and and they're signing off on it. They think it's fine. They think it's cool. Really, really bad stuff. Ah. Uh. Why pretending that there is something to discuss? Okay, so that's a good question. If you guys know that everything is bullshit and it's all just the oligarchs, then why don't you just talk about that? Well, that's another one of those things where you heighten the degree of abstraction from like your grasp to the point that it just creates more anxiety and it freaks you out more. And worst of all, it leaves you really with nothing to say because what are you supposed to say? Yes, they're trying to... They're trying to grind us into fucking paste. They're, they're using this, they're using the excuse of this to guarantee that there's no socialist turn in toward it, uh, in the face of disaster, which there generally has been. Uh, traditionally, the things in hist history that have led to long-term and significant drops in un an inequality within, within cultures are massive wars that destroy capital and lives. Uh, 
significant weather events that lead to things like uh, uh, you know serial famine and uh, pandemics and disease. I mean, the Middle Ages uh, were turned into the modern era essentially by the Black Death. The Black Death is the engine of modernity. That's where it started. That's where the accumulated uh, 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 you know, silt of the post-Roman order was sort of flushed out of the carburetor. Uh, and I think our global uh, bourgeois is aware of that phenomenon and is dead set on using the fact that they have accumulated not only more capital than any other ruling class in history, but more uh, powerful capital in the terms of more abstracted and technological capital that can be that could that multiplies their actual force vastly beyond their number or even their capital uh, their control of capital and they're thinking we're going to be the ones to not do that we're going to be the first ruling class to survive intact with when a, a, the system collapses and of course still be even if they fail at maintaining the system they will still in some instances succeed because you know the 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 uh the old the new aristocracy that rose and that rises slowly but surely out of all of these great leveling events a lot of it has their a lot of them have their origins as uh powerful influential successful families before that so you know whatever is built from the ashes of what might fall the, there's going to be a heavy sprinkling of, uh, of accumulated wealth from before that's going to form the toppest la layer of sediment. Am I disheveled? Am I, am I tossed? Am I wind-tossed? Am I a storm-tossled rogue? Am I a storm-tossled rogue? Yes. Somebody's asking about like a Cromwell rather than a Napoleon, considering the, uh, the religion will be more prevalent as an as a motivator uh, than they was in the last one. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, half the guys in charge of the military who are up there are complete millenniary nut jobs. Uh, I mean, they are, they're all like that dude uh, who got fired for mouthing off about how his god was bigger than, you know, the Muslim god, and he was going to go over there and, and do crusade against them and shit. Uh, so, but the thing is, that's not all of them. Half of them are like Petraeus and McChrystal, like, kind of like, they're basically like military Joe Scarboroughs. They're like worldly, kind of economically uh, conservative, but mostly chill with social issues kind of guys who uh you know can convivially hang out with any group of sophisticated because they all they're all have graduate degrees you know like they're they're not they're not just uh they're not uh peasant levies you know a lot of them a lot of them go to ivy league schools you know uh so there's this. There's actually an internal divide within the leadership of the military that mirrors the educational and and uh, religious divide in America. So uh, that's that's a little bit farther down down the path. I don't know, but it is an interesting X factor to think about. What was the name of that guy? 
What's the name of that crazy general? Boykins. You know, at the thing about how James Comey became director of the FBI is an interesting question. Because he is such a naif. I mean, you, you, you see what he, how he talks about himself, and it is like a cartoon Boy Scout. And you think, this has got to be a scam. But then you look at what happened to him, and how he perfectly botched everything and got owned out of government. And then had to like become, a, become an inspirational poster uh, a slogan writer. That's a... That's clearly, he botched something, you know, that was not, that makes you think it was from a real place, that he really does think that way. And so how does somebody like that become in charge of the organization that killed MLK, for God's sakes? Uh, and I think it just, I think in situations like that, you just have to assume that there is another guy or woman in the FBI hierarchy who's like the dark version of Comey, who does, makes the decisions that he doesn't even know have to be made. I don't know who that guy is, but he's probably he's definitely in there. If Comey is the guy who appears to be, he is just an absolute goof. Am I considered Chinese warlords for America? The warlord period. It's a real. I mean, it's another one that makes sense as a potential uh, historical comparison, just because. Yeah, like the idea of a, a unified junta coming out of the U.S. military seems less likely than some sort of regional breakdown. That's, I mean, when you consider that, you know, those bases are all spread all over the place. You could have a General Jack D. Ripper situation at any place of a significant size. Guy in charge of Pendleton decides to take over California. He probably could. So whoever's in charge of Camp Pendleton could just become like the 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 uh, Grand Mufti of California tomorrow if he wanted to, like the Fort Bragg guy could do that to the Carolina coast. And then you've got National Guard, which is the X factor because those guys have a lot of fucking guns and a lot of shit, and they could be nationalized obviously by the president. And are and use, are used like for military purposes and overseas, but you know the command authority there is to the states. Oh boy, it's just a very once again. I think the people who 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 poo poo this are are right uh, in that it, a lot of it is just sort of a uh, kind of honestly bad taste wish wish casting for some kind of you know redemption from this arc of of just the worst, but. You know, us never changing, us allowing things to get worse, but just slowly and slowly worse, and never changing anything, and just imagining someday there's going to be a reckoning somehow. It's all going to crack up and we're going to get to see it. Uh, you know, there's a certain degree of that that's part of it. And that's why you've got to remember that this is all dependent on the economy, basically, uh, cratering to a degree that I just don't think is going to happen. Uh, I think that there's enough investment at the top level in maintaining, for the near term some sort of legitimacy in popular government uh, that they're going to they're gonna bail us out, basically. To the extent they have to, and on their own terms, you know, so we're all going to be super surveilled, we're all going to have to watch a, a, a like, 30-second ad before we can piss in our own bathrooms. Uh, you know, we're all going to work in their tubes and shit, we're all going to eat their, uh, whatever paste that they, you know, uh, sell us uh, without asking what it is. 
and it'll be more of the same, but just more intensified and faster and worse and more brutalizing because we know the human cost that we're all involved with and are all participating in. And that's the real gross part is that when people just start staggering back out pretty soon, they're already doing it, and the waves of bodies start piling up and we just normalize it, we're all just going to feel like it's our own fault and we're going to blame each other. The libs are going to blame the, the conservatives who wanted to own everybody by going out in public and uh, the, the conservatives will blame the Chinese, so there'll probably be some sort of like a mini pogroms going on at like PF Chang's and shit in the suburbs. And it's just because we have we'll have all this feeling of horror and nowhere to put it because we just refuse to not internalize at a personal or like social level all misery. I mean, people talk about uh, people talk about you know in terms of the military. What about private contractors? Those guys are big deal. It's going to be significant force. But like right now, I don't think there's a private contractor in the world who could stand toe to toe with like the military. Maybe I'm wrong about that. There could be some capacities I'm unaware of. I would not be surprised if that was the case. But for the most part, I think those. I mean, those guys. Uh, those guys who went into Venezuela were fucking. Uh, were, you know, defense contractors. They were private military contractors. I keep doing this today. I'm doing the finger quotes. I remember the thing where uh, Chris Farley, he would do him so fast that he flew, but it broke because he was fat. It was a good one. That's what he said. He goes, I'm fat. I'm sorry, guys. Is everything worse 25 years worse than 25 years ago is to just feel that way. I think it honestly is just because we're 25 years closer to, you know, resource capacity hitting environmental feedback and all that. You know, and we have not really made a lot of progress except in a negative way. Becoming more socially atomized, more alienated from each other and from labor, uh, and less, though, conscious of it and able to organize against it, which is what's not supposed to happen in, in Marxism. That's the one thing that's not supposed to happen, is that increased misery is supposed to directly lead to corresponding working-class solidarity and, and uh, mobilizing. And that, has, that doesn't happen because the spect we've been, we've been ov overly symbolized. We got over-symboled. Uh, we created a level of abstraction in politics and in culture that uh, just... And we had a, a degree of wealth to distribute uh, 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 in uh, to kind of buy off working class uh, anger and and put all of that see because the the opening of markets around the world gave uh, like the Western uh, proletariat uh, an offer that the working class wasn't supposed to get in traditional Marxism. Uh, I think Marx kind of understood this could happen, but you know he didn't see it happen as much. Lenin talked more about it. Uh, you can provide some. Uh, Replenit some relinquishment of the of the conditions of, of pain and suffering uh, by giving more money, giving more recognition to unions and more union control because you're able to pass off that exploitation to other workers elsewhere uh, and that doesn't fuck with profit. And as a result of that those twin motions, the culture becoming abstracted and the and uh and essentially diffusing americans 
social consciousness. You want to call it spirit, whatever you want to call it. Like, like that sense of emptiness that we all know to be the modern condition. It accelerated with that, that, that wealth that we have because of the free real estate, because of the free refills, because of the specific nature of, of capital accumulation in America, where all, uh, ex- all internal crises could be resolved through expansion. Uh, and now we've reached a point where those inputs are gone so now you know as I've said the garage is filling with carbon monoxide but we have not had uh, but nothing has reversed the social trend in fact the social trend has only been vastly uh, exacerbated by technology and by the internet, and by the culture that it creates. And now we have it replicated in the physical space by separation through quarantine. It's, it's like every, every pathology is reinforcing at a different level, and then pushing down and reinforcing on one another. But as I said, that pressure is going to create change, and we just have to be ready when change begins, because this is the fluid motion. Right now we are, uh, yeah, we're at that stage in an earthquake when the friction is so intense that the ground actually liquefies. It becomes essentially a liquid. Uh, And that's where we are right now. We're in the liquid state. And that is why uh, because we don't know the source of our pain and stuff, and because we have so thoroughly had that, you know, pain identified with quenching through consumption, uh, there's going to be a lot of anger as as people are uh, not given those things, as as their degree of access to material pleasures is reduced, and there's no spirit, there's nothing spiritual to fill the vacuum. There's no sense of meaning to fill the vacuum. It's just purely hollowed out. But that's our task, I guess. While we, whatever we can find, whatever way we can rebuild social ties, I guess, at any level. So, like, if people ask, like, what's the next step of the grill pill after, you know, refocusing on the, the world around you? Uh, I don't know the answer, but the question should be, what can I do to rebuild anything like a social network? A social, a, so, a sense of social trust uh, at the people around me. How can we? How can I refill that fucking hollowed-out chocolate Easter bunny with creamy caramel meaning? And and it starts with creating a sense of a of a of communal benefit. The idea that you get something by cooperating with your people, other people, that trusting the people instead of approaching everyone with the the hunched flinching snarl of the uh of like the reactionary gun toter actually has a benefit it makes you more relaxed it makes you feel like you have people who can help you in a problem uh and that only that sense is going to get people able to rise to the challenge they're going to have to believe in it and i don't know what that means i'm sorry i can't say any more because Everything is so wildly fluid. But when the ground starts settling, you got to look around you. You're gonna have to, we're all going to have to start looking around, ours, around us 
And then he agreed that we can do that now, we should also do. Oh God, love yourself and everyone around you. God damn it. I guess that's it now. Jesus. What a difference a couple of years make, huh? Couple of years, uh, failed presidential race, global uh, fucking pandemic that's going to rearrange the face of uh, civilization at some level, even if nothing changes in the current moment. So yes, love yourself, love everyone around you. Uh, Biden dropping out, I think, might very well happen after the nomination. Because I looked it up, and apparently if anybody withdraws after being nominated but before the election, the DNC meets to replace them. The way they replaced Terry Eagleton with Sergeant Shriver in 1972. What that means is, Biden, the day after the... the uh, hell... The hour after uh, the convention nomination, he could say, uh, oh, uh, I'm sick, or I want to spend time with Dr. Joe Biden, and then they can put in anyone they want. They don't have to do any redo of any, sorry, votes from the, uh, the convention delegates. It's just DNC members or some grouping within there. So, yeah, I think that's a very realistic way that could happen, especially since, as I've said, it doesn't really matter what Biden wants here because he has no independent base of support in the party. He's borrowing Obama's because Obama couldn't be on the ballot. And that means that if Obama makes the same uh, recognition of reality that he made before Super Tuesday, which was if I don't get off my butt, we're going to fucking eat shit in something that we could win. Like if, like I've said, if Trump looked unbeatable, if we were sitting, sitting, still sitting at like one and a half percent unemployment and and uh the media was all culture war horseshit uh and then the the dnc just blew themselves up to nominate biden i could see them saying fuck it let him take the fall so we're all hands clean and win the next one let him fundraise off trump for four more years but they really see that they could get it this time but it's not going to be with biden but they can't do it now because it's too uh it's doing the air, which the problem is it's a long-ass time till, what, August? That's a long time. That's a, lo that's a whole summer that they got to keep him not, I mean, they don't have to take him out much, but they have to keep him in people's public eye. He has to be an actual, you know, alternative to Trump for people, even if they hate Trump, to want to go out and vote for him. The most boring uh, ending to the virus, yes, but also, honestly, I think in the medium term, the most destabilizing, because the most boring conclusion is, is high six figures, maybe millions dead, and that being normalized. And I don't think you can just metabolize that without any ill effect. I think it will have significant social pressure, especially as the recovery to this economic collapse that's still in the process will be will make 2008's recovery uh, look like, you know, the recovery after Black Friday or Black Monday or something. And 
in a situation like that, all that death is going to have an effect. Even if in the short term, it's just, oh, yep, more of the same, but worse. Unless, of course, not as many people die as we're all thinking, but considering how many are already dead, I don't think that's realistic. I mean, we're almost, uh, we're almost to six figures already. I don't think there's a way we're not talking about nearly a million. So we're going to have to really like look at each other and say what we're what we're capable of allowing, and uh, it's going to be it's not going to be pretty. Whoever they replace Biden with is another question, though, because that's a person that has to have juice in the party, because you can't just put in anybody there unless they don't have any, unless they have no independent power base and they're no threat. So, like a total, a total uh, empty suit that you'd have to have total trust wouldn't be able to actually exercise power. I don't know who that would be. Maybe Cory Booker, <laughs> uh, but not famous enough. They've got to have Mondo name recognition, and that is why the people who say Hillary Clinton hilariously are. You know, that's my, that's the funny answer. That is kind of, isn't that honestly the funniest thing that could happen? Uh, and so I, I honestly, because who else is this famous? They're trying to build up Cuomo, but honestly, man, I don't know how you pull that one when you, it's the epicenter of not only infections, but deaths basically in the world. Uh, Newsom, I don't know if he's going to be able to get famous enough in the next few months, especially since there really is an East Coast bias in media, and being in California does, just doesn't give them the, the attention that uh, being on East Coast time does, which is what gave Cuomo that pump in the first place, even though he's when one of the most incompetent idiots to even come close to this fucking thing. One of the worst guys, and he's in the high 80s. <sighs> Maybe they will just do it. Maybe they'll overlook it. Maybe the fact that, they're all, that he killed all those people isn't going to matter because... To the same way that the MAGA people will just say, well, now that's because of China or because of the governors uh, or because of uh, Peter Strozik and the lovely, lovely Nelly Orr. Uh, and liberals will say it's because of Trump. They'll say, yeah, oh, yeah, but he couldn't have done anything differently. Could happen. But even then, I wonder about Cuomo. He does seem like a Clinton... He's in the Clinton orbit, right? So... He's a little St. James Democrat, as they call him. I hope if there is a historical record of this period of American history that, you know how there are different factions of different political parties in history? There were the Bourbon Democrats, who were sort of the reactionary uh, uh, Southerners uh, who couldn't, who had to be Democrats because, you know, there was only one party there. Uh... They could be the, uh, they could be the little Epstein, they could be the, uh, little St. James Democrats. Uh, Bernie was defeated in 2016 by a coalition of little St. James Democrats. So, uh, if Cuomo, uh, if Cuomo's in there, then that's probably another victory for, uh, for the little St. James, little St. Jamesocrats. I mean, working councils, I hope so. I hope we can get people to uh, work at the level of uh, 
their job. Problem is, I mean, the thing to remember is that even in the Great Depression, there was still massive amounts of labor militancy, even with so many people out of work. So, you know, the traditions have been lost in a lot of ways, but, you know, the dynamic isn't inherently doomed. Uh, there are strategic places where uh, labor militancy could, you know, reassert uh, working class prerogatives and like, realign politics. Because, I mean, if things get bad enough, I could honestly see this whole culture war thing really bubble. It could either explode or the bubble could burst. If things get bad enough and people get it at a, at a workplace level, it could. But we've got to be in the position to make it happen if those conditions arise. It's just, I hate, I like coming on and talking to you guys, but one thing that just really, uh, I was honest, that, like, I, I, I always end up feeling like we're just have to come back to just how unstable it everything is and how unhard it is to know what's going on. And I know that that just feels so unsatisfying to sit with, but I think we all have to sit with it. We're, the way we're sitting with anything else, we have to just sit with our, our, with things moving in slow motion, you can kind of see where you are in relation to things closer. So I guess you just got to keep your eyes peeled. Pay attention to stuff. Not arguments on Twitter, hopefully, but, you know, situations as they develop. I don't know. We're all just throwing spaghetti at the wall here. Just trying to see what sticks. Just trying to vibe our way through the, our lives on this crazy spinning blue ball. Somebody wants me to tell them how to help murder and threaten oligarchs. Uh, no thank you, officer. Uh, I'm not going to be discussing that today. Uh, I'm simply doing my Twitch stream. Uh, I'd be uh, appreciated if you please be on your way unless you have a warrant or something. Ha! <laughs> Felix's idea of the prisoners as the Bonapartes. Well, of course they have to be from Illinois. Our provincial boy will simply not allow the, the next great dynasty not to arise from that ridiculous shard of uh, flatland. I mean, we'll see how J JP isn't really asserting himself. I mean, people say he's doing okay, but I'm not hearing a lot about him. So, uh, you know, get your shit together. What is my take on the, the Flint charges being dropped? Uh, I mean, it's probably because they pulled strings because they've been pulling the fuck out of a bunch of strings. Uh, but also because a lot of this whole thing was bullshit. I mean, come on, man. We all know at some level that like a lot of the Russiagate stuff was just made up. Or like a game of telephone. Because the whole thing was hinged on something that was never proven in any way. That there was a direct connection between Trump at the, high, at, at the level of the candidate and, the, and Russia in any meaningful way. But also, yeah, of course they put their finger on the scale. I just hope we stop talking about all that shit forever. I really do. I really hope we can just internalize what a failure that was. I hope some of the people who like spent any time on it can maybe think for a minute of how wasted that time was. Everyone who is proud of the fact that they know Lev Parnas, everyone who yelled at Virgil about how he was too disrespectful to the idea of Lev Parnas, I want them to be right now. I want to find out every one of them 
and I want to ask them, do you know who Lev Parnas is, and see how many of them still remember. They're probably all cheap by Googling, but I bet a lot of them, if you said, who's Lev Parnas to them now, they wouldn't know the fuck you're talking about. And that was like four months ago. Lev Parnas dies of coronavirus. No one's going to know who that was, including the libs. Ugh. How have you avoided being misanthropic and cynical? I think the best way to avoid misanthropy is to is to remember, as I've said, that everyone is where they are for reasons outside of their control. They have choice, you know, and they chose to do the things they did, but the options they were presented were not theirs. And so that should that's just to like drain my feelings about them from with venom. But if they're doing bad and they're evil, they should be opposed. But because their their condition is uh, provisional, that means everyone's is, which means people can be better. I really think that. And I think that proof is in the pudding in terms of human history. You know? It, it, we would have destroyed ourselves already. You know, think of those Russian... Uh, think of, like, the three different Russian military officers who could have ended all life on Earth during the Cold War and chose not to. Not even knowing, really, that they weren't dooming their own country to nuclear oblivion. The guy who didn't fire on the uh, blockade ships uh, in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And, of course, the guy who uh, didn't sign off on a nuclear strike when the, the blips came over over the radio, radar. He guessed, no, that's probably not there. And even though everything told him he should, he didn't. And those systems were all designed to be fail-safe. They assumed that, given these conditions, the person will do X. And they were designed that way. And yet, when that, came, that moment came, these guys said no. And that means that, at some level, I think we can all say no. And the task before everybody right now is to figure out where that where they can start ah, alright guys that was a good time I thought had fun sorry if I was spacey uh, I haven't eaten yet gotta eat a little bit but I have dinner I'll talk to you guys tomorrow bye bye